Hello, and welcome back to Neely's Bend Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. We're so happy that you're taking the time to listen to our sermons here at Neely's Bend. In today's sermon from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56, we see the heart of Mary. We see how Mary had a servant heart and a worshipful heart. In this Christmas season, it is important for us to remember that Christ came to serve us. And therefore, we should serve Him and worship Him in return. If you have any questions about the gospel or this message or about Neely's Bend Baptist Church, please email us at mbbc at neelysbendbaptist.org. Thanks, and we hope you have a great week. So let's begin reading in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Luke. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Amen. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39 continues and it says, In those days Mary arose and went, into, went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a, a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary replies and she says this. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. 
And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm and He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then she returned home. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this story this morning, Lord. We thank you for the story of how the birth of our Savior came about, Lord. We thank you for the story of how Mary found out of how she was going to conceive and bear a child whose name would be Jesus. Lord, we pray this morning as we look into the heart of Mary that we will be able to see these two expressions in her heart and that we will in return take those and live them out even in our own life. Lord, we praise you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, if there's one here today who has never believed in you, who has never made the decision to follow you, Lord, that today is the day that they will believe in you. Lord, help me to preach with simplicity, with clarity, and with passion. Help me to preach only your word and your word alone. Help me to be a vessel for your kingdom, a mouthpiece for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In nine months, Mary will have a baby. In nine months, Mary will have a baby and he, his name will be called Jesus. This is where we are in the story of Christmas, in this story of how our Savior came into our world, into this world. And as we just read, I want you to just imagine for a moment. Imagine that you are sitting in your home, Maybe you're sitting on your couch reclining, or maybe you're in the kitchen and you're cooking up some supper, and then out of nowhere, you see this angel up here. This bright light kind of happens, and there's an angel there. And it stays. And an angel that is sent from God Himself, and and here you are, never seen an angel before, and here this angel is. I don't know about you guys, but I would probably be like, whoa, what is this? I'd probably have a little bit of a panic, don't you think? I would, what's going on here? What's this bright thing in my room here? Really surprised, blown away, fearful of what is to come, what's happening. Don't even know really how I'd probably react, how to respond. But then this angel begins to speak to you, begins talking to you, and begins to pass along this message from God. And it says, Do not be afraid. For you have found favor in God. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone tells me that, I'm probably going to be even more afraid. It's like telling someone, hey, there's a snake there, and then guess what? They're more scared now. But if someone tells me to not be afraid, I'm probably going to be more afraid. So here you are, in your home, a random angel has appeared, you're fearful, you're afraid, you don't know what has happened, and then you find out that there's a message for you. And the angel says this, Behold, you will conceive 
in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. How are you responding? What is your reaction in this situation? How are you picturing yourself knowing that you are not married, that you've never had any relationships prior to that? Are you kind of laughing it off at this moment? Are you doubting what this angel is saying? Are you still in fear of what is actually happening? Are you trusting, believing that what is being said is actually true and is going to happen? And then just out of common good sense, you ask the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I don't think we could blame ourselves for asking that question, right? I don't think we can blame Mary for asking that question. And then the angel responds again and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, this child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Are you still doubting? Are you still wondering how this is even possible? Are you still in all of the situation that you're in? Are you on board with this angel that's just telling you this from God? How are you responding? What is your reaction? Are you saying yes to this? Do you trust it's going to happen? Are you believing in the probability of it that it will happen, the possibility of it? Or are you still fearful in the situation you're in. In our sermon today, we're going to dive into Mary's response to this situation, of how she responded to this angel, to this calling from God to bear the Son of God. And through these responses, we ultimately get a glimpse into the heart of Mary, by how she responds and reacts. The heart in so many ways, is what drives us. It's what drives us. It is a very much a motivating force in our lives. Charles Spurgeon said this about the heart. He said, The heart is the mainspring of the man. The mainspring of the man. And if it not be in order, the entire nature is out of order. Your heart has to be right, is what he's saying. Your heart has to be in order because this is the mainspring. Our hearts matter. Your heart matters. The will and the inclination of your heart matters because we will do that in which our heart most desires to do. And in our passage today, we were able to see the heart of Mary and how because of her heart, she responds in the way she does. So in our sermon, we're going to see two expressions of Mary, Mary's heart, or two responses of Mary's heart. So two expressions, two responses of Mary's heart. The first expression is that Mary had a servant's heart. She had a servant's heart. If you read with me in verse 38 again, Mary says this, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
after everything that had happened, the angel appearing, the angel speaking, the angel telling her that she would give birth to the Son of God even though she was a virgin, Mary responds and says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Mary had a servant's heart. A heart that was ready and willing to serve the Lord. Notice how quick she responds. Notice how quick she responds to this. She didn't take time to think about it for a little bit. Oh, I need to think about this, Lord. Give me a few days. Let me, let me think about this. I wanna, I wanna, then I want to come back to make that decision. She didn't take time to pray about it either, if you, think, if you think about it like that either. She didn't take time to pray about the situation. She just said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She quickly responded and said that. And I think this is a great example of how we ourselves should live in our own lives. We often find ourselves in positions to serve others or where we can serve God. But instead of having a servant's heart immediately, one that is ready to serve, one that is willing to serve, we have to first make sure that we can serve. We have to take a few weeks, think about it, pray about it. We have to take some time to think about and make sure this is the right thing we're supposed to be doing. We've got to check our calendar, right? We've got to go look at our calendar and go, ah, can I do this? If I, if I say yes to this, what's going to happen to my calendar? And I'm not saying that praying about it and thinking about it is wrong because you definitely should for super major decisions in your life. But so often we use these things as excuses to not do it, to not serve. And it's a result of our hearts not being ready and willing to serve. To serve God. To serve others. Because with Mary, not only was she submitting herself to God as a servant to bear and give birth to the Son of, of God, but she was serving the world because it was through her giving birth of Jesus Christ that He would eventually sacrificially die on the cross for our sins, for our mistakes, so that the world might believe in Him. Church, we must always be willing and ready to serve the Lord because when He comes calling us, when He convicts us and moves us to serve others, we have to act on that. We have to be ready. We can further see that Mary had this servant's heart because she trusted and she believed what the angel from God had said. We see in verse 38 here, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And then she says, Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary said this, and with a servant heart, she fully trusted the plan of God, fully trusted according to the word of God from the angel. We also see in verse 45, that she believed. In verses 39 through 45, see Mary travel to her cousin Elizabeth, and when she gets there, they have a conversation, and Elizabeth says this about Mary. Blessed is she, blessed is Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Mary trusted God. Mary believed God. 
As people of God, we are ultimately called and are to serve and, and, and to trust and believe in Him and His plan for us. And Mary had a daunting calling on her life in front of her to be the mother of Jesus. And she was fully trusting, fully believing in the plan of God. As people of God, we are to have servant hearts. And as we are to serve our God, we can serve God by trusting Him and believing Him and His plan for our lives. Trusting in what He has called us to do. Trusting in Him to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, and to keep us on the right path. Trusting in His Word to help us live in obedience to Him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Many of us know this verse, know these two verses, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Church, Mary had all the reason in the world to lean on her own understanding. A random angel... A virgin conceiving and giving birth? It would have made sense for her to lean on her own understanding, right? It would have made sense. But guess what she didn't do? She didn't lean on her understanding. She trusted in the Lord with all her heart because she knew and that she, as she acknowledged Him and His plans, her paths would be made straight. She leaned on the Lord and His understanding. Psalms 37.5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Mary, before, even before the angel appeared to her, God's Word tells us that God found favor on her, right? God found favor on her. She was the favored one. She was already committing her way to the Lord. She was already trusting in Him. And the Lord found favor on her because of that. Church, we must never stop believing in God and His power and what He can do. A servant's heart is always going to trust, always going to believe in what the Master says. And when I say the Master, I mean God. And they're going to follow through with it. We must trust. We must believe in what God's Word teaches us and His plan for our lives and our purpose here on this earth. As servants of God, are you trusting and believing the plan God has for you? Are you trusting and believing the purpose God has for you? Would you have believed what this angel had told you? Would you have trusted it? The second response or expression we see from Mary's heart is that Mary had a worshipful heart. She had a worshipful heart. She worshipped God. In verses 46 through 55, we have the Magnificat, right? The Magnificat, where Mary responds back to Elizabeth with a song of praise, where she is magnifying God. And through this song, we see two ways in which she worships God. The first way she worships God is by magnifying Him. If you look at verse 46, it says this, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. 
My soul magnifies the Lord. When was the last time your soul magnified the Lord? When was the last time that you worshipped God by magnifying His name? Let's backtrack for just a moment here. Mary had just been visited by an angel of God who told her she was going to conceive and bear a child and give birth to the Son of God. And then she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. And then in this conversation, after all that has happened, she says, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to magnify God. I'm not so sure about you, but if this is me, I'm probably more terrified than anything else. I don't know if I would be worshiping God in this particular moment because I would probably be in fear of what's about to happen and what's going on. But Mary, she worships God. She magnifies the Lord. Years ago, whenever I was a kid, I would go out to my grandmother's house and she had this magnifying glass that they kept on the table out there for reading the newspaper or reading a book or anything else like that. And she would take this magnifying glass and she would hold it a few inches away from the paper or the book she's reading and it would magnify the words that she was reading. So it made the words get larger, right? Does it, have you ever used a magnifying glass before? So I, I used to use them to roast some ants. in the Because um, you know whenever you pull it up and you get it right in the sun, it puts that little ray of light. That's what I used them for. I didn't need them to read or anything, but... But that's what the point is. When you use a magnifying glass, the correct way is to magnify the words you're wanting to read. When we magnify the Lord, when we take a magnifying glass and we put it to the Lord and hold it a few inches away, it enlarges who God is. It enlarges us. It helps us to see who He truly is. It enlarges His presence and our knowledge of Him in our lives. And it will just revive in our hearts a greater view of who God is. It will revive in our hearts and help us to see how great our God is. When God is magnified, it revives in our heart as we will remember who is in control. And we can trust and we can believe that. We can trust and believe in Him. When we magnify our God, it gives us peace. It gives us joy. It gives us hope. Because we remember it is Him who sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So we can have life in Him. Church, let's live our lives magnifying God. The second way we see Mary worship God is when her spirit rejoices. If you look at verse 47, she says, And my spirit rejoices and God my Savior. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Not only was Mary magnifying, but she was also in the same time rejoicing. After just finding out from the angel that God found favor on her and that she would be the one to give birth to the Savior of the world, the Son of God, Mary rejoices. When was the last time you rejoiced in the Lord? When was the last time you rejoiced in the Lord because God had worked in your life? When was the last time you rejoiced in the Lord 
Because God, the Savior, has saved your soul. We must always be living with rejoice in our hearts, rejoicing in who God is. I don't know about you, but God is the only one that we can fully always rejoice in. He's always the one that we can rejoice in because and it's never going to backfire on us. Because God is always the same, right? He never changes. There's no up and down with God. After all, He is the one who that instills joy inside of us so we can rejoice in Him. This world, the things of this earth, anything on this place, anything here, if we put our hope in it, we put our joy in it, it's going to go up and down, right? Think about sports, for example. Think about the Tennessee Titans and their season for this year. It hasn't been a very good one, has it? This past week, I was watching the, I think it was Monday night, whenever the Titans played the Miami Dolphins. I don't know how many of you guys watched that game, but at one point in the game, I just quit watching the game because Tennessee had made some mistakes and, and Miami had got up two touchdown scores and I was like no longer excited about this game. This is pointless. There ain't no point in watching this. There's only four minutes left to go in the game, and Tennessee or Miami's up by two touchdowns. And then I kind of came back to the TV to see what would happen, if anything exciting had happened, right? Anything that would want to make me rejoice in the Tennessee Titans. And lo and behold, they had scored, and they were about to score again. And I got a little bit more excited. And then they scored. And then Miami gets the ball back. Tennessee makes the stop, right? And they make the stop and then what? I'm even more excited at this point because that means the Miami Dolphins can no longer score. Tennessee wins the football game. Excited. You're rejoicing in that situation because who won? Your team won. But for the Miami Dolphins, they're very sad, right? Very sad. They're, they're not rejoicing in that situation. And that's what happens here on the swings of this world. You cannot fully rejoice in them because they're going to go up and down. Just like any team in this place, in this world, is going to happen. You cannot put your hope and your joy in that. The joy that one experiences of the sports is exactly the joy of the things of this earth. They are high, they are low, they are big, and they are small. It is never constant. But the joy that the Lord gives us, church, let me tell you, is a joy that always leads us to rejoicing in Him in every situation because in every high and every low, God is still the same. He never changes and we can always rejoice in Him. No matter the plan God has for your life, no matter the things that happen in your life, we can fully rejoice in God. Because it's Him who gives us peace. It's Him who gives us hope. It's Him who gives us joy. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. In the midst of Mary's calling to be the mother of Jesus, she rejoiced. Church, in whatever situation you're in or we're in, and whatever God calls you to do, rejoice in the Lord always. 
Because when you rejoice and when you magnify God, you will ultimately in return be worshiping Him. And God wants nothing more for us to do than to give Him praise and worship. He desires us to worship Him. In our sermon today, we have seen two expressions of Mary's heart. We've seen that Mary had a servant heart. A heart that desired to serve the Lord. One that fully trusted and believed in the plan that God had for her to be the one to give birth to the Messiah. And we also saw that she had a worshipful heart. A heart that magnified the Lord. A heart that rejoiced in God her Savior. May we remember in our lives to have a heart that is willing to serve our God and a heart that is willing to worship Him. And so we may ask the question, how can we live this out? I want to propose to you Psalms 100. Psalm 100. These five verses ultimately exhibit how we can live this out. So Psalms 100 says this. It is a psalm for giving thanks and Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. I think Psalm 100 sums up our sermon pretty well. Church, let's be a people that lives out this psalm. Let's be a people that makes a joyful noise to the Lord, that serves the Lord with gladness, that comes into His presence with singing, knowing that He is God and He made us and we are His people, giving Him thanks, giving Him praise, blessing His holy name because He is good. And His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness is to all generations. Church, let's be a people who have servant hearts, who have worshipful hearts. If you are here today and you do not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and you know for a fact that you don't because you've never made that decision to believe and to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to read to you Mark chapter 10, verse 45. says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus is already serving you because He has died for you on a cross in your place because of your sin. It was our sin. It was my sin. It was your sin that drove Him to the cross to serve God and to serve us. He gave His life as a ransom for you. And all it means to be a ransom is a payment. 
He gave His life as a payment for you. We owed God something. And what we could owe Him, what we could, what we had to owe Him, we could not pay. You know what we owed Him? We owed Him perfection. We owed Him holiness. We owed Him righteousness. And you know what we're not? We're not those things. But Jesus, through His service of dying on the cross, paid that ransom for you. As in that moment, He took the sins of the world on His shoulders so that you can believe in Him and have salvation and eternal life in heaven. And all you have to do today is believe in the works of Jesus. Believe that you initially are a sinner in need of a Savior who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who died sacrificially on the cross as a Lamb of God. The perfect Lamb of God. One who was righteous, one who was holy, one who was perfect. That was the ransom. Jesus. He was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, He rose again. Overcoming sin. Overcoming death. So that you could have life. Believe these things. Confess these things and you shall be saved. As Romans 10 teaches us. So in this moment, I want to call you to respond to Jesus. If that is you, if you've never believed in Jesus, I want to call you to respond to Him in this moment to believe in Jesus. And as we sing this closing song, this invitation, I want you to come talk to me and let's talk about this journey to heaven. If that makes you uncomfortable, I want you to know the invitation is always still open. And you can talk to me at the back door when you're leaving. Maybe we can go have lunch one day this week and we can talk about this. Because I want to talk about this with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness and for Your mercy. We thank You so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross to serve us by giving us life through His death on the cross. Lord, we praise You so much for this Word this morning. Lord, help us to live with servant hearts. Help us to live with worshipful hearts. And Lord, help us to live it out by living out Psalms 100. Lord, we just praise You so much for sending Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.